0: What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? All right. I've had some more coffee. And, um... I'm ready to... I'm recording. I'm recording. I'm... I'm recording. I'm recording. No, I'm I'm recording. recording. I'm recording. recording. (laughs) No, I'm recording. Um, Oh, Jack. Hello. Hello, Reed. Here we are. Uh, here we are. And, um... Uh-huh. In hoping that uh, uh, that America has hit its bottom and is at step one uh, in its yeah. uh, program, which has admitted um, that it was powerless over its uh, systematic white supremacist uh, racist capitalism. And um, how does step one go? Powerless over alcohol. And that its lives have become unmanageable. So hopefully it understands that its life is unmanageable. <laughs> Wait,
1: is this like is this text from twelve steps that you're applying to yeah. this okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm
0: I'm I'm hoping that America it can really racism um, be anonymous.
1: Like, That's what America's like, doing. That it can
0: that it can really be like, um I need I need help. This needs to stop. Yeah. What are the what are the steps in which it can move forward? Um, may may America have plummeted into its bottom and rebuild. However, I have to say, as we were speaking on the right and left, oof that I don't know, I look at these Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer showing up with Kendall like I I was like
1: uh, you know I was
0: like, you guys.
1: How come you guys. nobody, none of their assistants, nobody was there to say maybe no, maybe not today, guys. Maybe not today.
0: How, how about not today? How about not today? I really, um,
1: I mean, it was a real, you know, there must have been one of them standing there with it around their neck being like, this is a, probably a bad idea. <laughs> uh,
0: I I mean, the out of touchness is a real, and it's wild. I mean, in Ladies and Another, you're going to hear us uh, chat for a while of people who are uh, in touch and working on being more in touch and developing this quote-unquote dance community to get more in touch but it's like i you know i'm looking at these people who are in actual positions of power and i'm like whoa
1: yeah why they're so old sorry i mean honey i had a i had a big fight with aunt jane this week about old oldness because she was like you're always saying old people is you know to denigrate old people and i'm like well some old people are fabulous and wise and you know we need them to because they've seen the past etc but like some old people are uh not very in touch yeah well and same with but honey same with young people oh my god
0: absolutely but and i think that is important of like to not be ageist
1: you know it's like me can we just like get the ists out yeah well compared to many i'm really not in touch you know and so now it's i'm trying to do some homework to catch up a little bit and and feel a part of like the world as it is the world as it
0: is rather than the world as I perceive it to be or slash the world as I want it to be which might even be more dangerous I think that this idea of the seeing the world as I want it to be rather than the world as it is right
1: the world is very disappointing right now except for like I do feel very encouraged by the outrage which is Right. Excellent. But um you were telling me something about Madonna and you didn't finish your thought and I you know Oh yeah, let me get
0: let me get to that. So well and also and I will say that I Oh I have a couple of things to say before I get to Madonna. Do you wanna see what I'm think, doing
1: just before you check? Yeah. Do, okay, do you see
0: do
1: you see that this is a Beautiful. a piece of canvas it's a piece of canvas and I uh-huh. I'm pulling threads out of it to turn it into a flower. That's
0: wonderful, Reese.
1: And you know what? That's the world as I want it, but I do yes. realize Graph. that it's Graph. not the world as it is.
0: You know? Well, honey, it is where it really gets into this thing of, of act two and melancholia where you're like, could we go do this or we could get some blueberries or this? And and the, pro- and, and the problem that I have, or as I was saying to Jeremy yesterday, is remembering when Kristen Dunst goes, we're alone. When I tell you we're alone, we're alone. And, 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 uh, and Justine says that. Cause Claire, the sister's like, maybe there's somewhere else to go. She's like, there is nowhere else to go. The world is it and we're alone. And, uh, and Claire goes, but how do you know? How do you know? And she goes 600, she says 625 or something like that. And Claire goes, what? And she goes, that's how many beans were in the jar. When I tell you we're alone, we're alone because there's, there's the bean count in Act 1 where they're wondering how many beans are in the <laughs> jar and Justine brings it up later to be like, I know what's going to happen and where I have to pull back is I, I feel I've been continually and forever disappointed by the world and uh, have found it have found its inequities and its violences um, I have a hard time seeing the good Right. And that is what uh, my side of the inventory is on. And what's nice for you is you have a better time seeing the good. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's how together you and I make one queen.
1: Dance. We, <laughs> together we make dance and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so this Madonna stories, Madonna went
0: to a, uh, a Black Lives Matter protest in London and a uh, sans mask and um, People and someone comes sorry. up and hugs her, and someone I'm screams. Sorry. She's so. Someone, I'm sorry. S- someone screams as someone comes up and hugs her and kisses her on the cheek, and Madonna goes, "It's okay. I have the antibodies. It's okay." And I was all at once like, "This is incredible," and also like, "But the messaging for your fans, it's like no." you need to put on a mask oh I'm sorry you need to put on a mask. you may
1: have the antibodies but the virus might be on your beautiful pulled lips you know do you know what I mean like <laughs> Madonna really... you can make someone sick still she's out of her mind she's out of her mind it, it, so really, it, really, it really but But when I always,
0: but you know, the laughter comes from being like, I so relate (laughs) to showing up somewhere and being like, I have the antibodies. It's fine. (laughs) Like, it's really, it's this thing. of. um, I went into a gas station yesterday and I had on my, my N95 mask and my, um, my latex gloves. Of
1: course.
0: Uh, And as I, you know, and it's a real thing of like, it is so politicized, though, in this other way of the people who wear the masks, you're like, okay, and the people who don't wear the masks, rather, I would say, are Trump voters, like, where I am up here. I I will say, however,
1: I saw those photographs of the weekend in Hell's Kitchen, and all those gay people are not voting for Trump, and none of them were wearing masks, and they were crowding the streets like it was a protest, but it was actually happy hour.
0: Oh, they were just doing, I didn't see this. They were what, just, just a bunch of. It was a bunch of queens doing brunch. They on were the weekend, living and they their were like,
1: tank top gay lives in Hell's <laughs> Kitchen without masks. And I was like, way to go. Way to go. Happy Pride. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm.
1: Uh-huh. Well, and in that
0: way, but but see, and there is a place, though, that you you are actually uh, very disappointed a lot of the times in a lot of ways by a lot of things. Oh, so I am. We, we'll, we'll, I, I we'll, am. Also, yeah. we'll also add that in. Yeah, it's, it's a real, you're not just Claire and I'm not just Justine. <sighs>
1: no, but, um, you're, you're um, not quite as disabled as Justine. Well, that's the
0: thing that I really like, though, about Justine's arc, is she is comes in fully disabled, can't get into a bath, can't get out of bed. I do really relate <laughs> to that happening to me at certain times. Um, and then, all of a sudden, as, like, the planet's getting closer and the world's going to blow up, is like, spooning jam out of a jar with her fingers. And I really do relate to that mm-hmm. narrative. Yeah. Of being like, oh, I'm going to go get my pack of American spirits, and I'm going to, like, eat this jam with my fingers, and... Mm-hmm. Ah, um, oh, this kombucha is delicious and I'm gonna go the part where she's laying naked under the melancholia. <laughs> the I have absol- I've done it. I have absolutely like gone out and been like, oh, I want to just float in the pool under the moonlight. Beautiful and just feel uh, connected to um, perhaps the giant nothingness which is out in outer space.
1: Coming to get us. It's coming to get us.
0: Uh, really, you know, uh, take us away. Um, but anyhow, I did want to make a correction too to what I said last week in our conversation with Bill, which it's, it is not that I don't believe in meritocracy. I actually really want to believe in meritocracy and that when people do their best work, that they will, um, uh, be rewarded for it it is rather that I don't see meritocracy happening
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, with the same level to which I see um, uh, realms of manipulation, charlatanism,
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: game playing, or what I, I guess I would call more a capitalist business right. models. Well, I,
1: I think that um, also there can be a distinction between meritocracy in terms of the viewership of the work or the life of the work, as opposed to financial resources.
0: Absolutely. Right. I think that is really key. And that, that's really key to bring
1: up. That is something that gets addressed um, a lot in this document that we read and spoke about this week. And I found that very illuminating in that like, maybe there is a future where there is a, a base minimum that we live off as, as artists. Um and thank you for doing the research about what that um NEA uh yearly stipend would be nowadays. Yeah, I'm go
0: I'm going to that. So ladies and other were we are we we bring up the as if you hadn't heard Terry O'Connor's episode with us, um which was a while ago. Long ago. He ta- he talks about receiving before the NEA was <laughs> dismantled. Um, <laughs> dismantled during uh, the AIDS crisis and, and what we now call the culture, and what was then also being called the culture wars. Uh, Terry talked about receiving $12,000 a year from it. So, what that inflation is in 1994 to now in 2020, what that means is that you could be receiving $21,150.12. And that, a year. can I
1: say, that is essentially what I make annually. Correct.
0: And uh-huh. in, in, so. in, in what you and in, in your design. I cap. mean,
1: it depends on the year, obviously, but, you know, right. there are some years where that's what it is.
0: So that that was taken away. And we really went into these privatized, these far more privatized systems of funding, thereby enabling um, a different a different kind of taste makership as well. Mm uh In terms of your survival, mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about in terms of your art making. I'm talking about in terms of if you have food on the table or right, not. Right, right, right. Is something that I'm excited about this document uh, that we'll be discussing today. One of the many things I'm excited about this document that mm-hmm. we'll be discussing mm-hmm. today. Hopefully, um, encouraging dismantling and uh, a new order.
1: I'm excited. I think it's um. I think everybody should read it. I've had people reach out to me this week who heard the Bill T episode, who were like, how can I get my hands on that document? Patricia yeah. Delgado being one of them. And so I'm very hopeful. I think like this can have a big effect on people who look closely to the at these words.
0: Yeah. So without further ado, here uh, is our conversation um, uh, with uh, two of the people Uh, who helped spearhead this document together, which we'll be discussing today of the Creating New Futures, um, uh, Emily Johnson and Yanira Castro. Ladies and other, we are very excited to be speaking with Emily Johnson and Yanira Castro. Um, And uh, before we begin... Uh, Emily, I actually had a question for you that came up. We just interviewed Bill and he uh, wanted to do a land acknowledgement before we began the podcast. And then, and Reed and I then were curious about with the podcast, what it is to do a land acknowledgement when people aren't present and when Mm -hmm. this is being heard in the ether. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask your question, wisdom on that, of of it it would be good to do that. I did, there's this really great app I found, which is called, um, uh, native land Uh that lets you know where you are. And, Uh um, but then I did some more research that was specific to the village that was here and what I would say about that. And before both Reed and I talked briefly that my experience of our experience of land acknowledgement has been outside of the U S. So for mm-hmm. me, it was when mm-hmm. I was in Australia for Reed, mm-hmm. it was when he was in Canada, you and I had talked about this when we were at that Mellon panel. And it is something I, I think that I want to be implemented, but I also want to be implemented not as just
3: words. Yeah, absolutely. And this, um, thank you for bringing that up. And, like everything that we're doing now (laughs) we need actions with the words and we need intention and we need movement and we need change and that's to me a land acknowledgement is about all of that Um, and we're actually those of us who are well many people are even considering this word acknowledgement anymore you know like maybe that isn't the right word to use anymore because maybe that is too passive what is the right word coming i'm not sure but for now Land Acknowledgement is about this, knowing knowing where you are, upon whose land you are, because those of us in what is called the United States and beyond are all on stolen land. And so <clears throat> I think in this, in this podcast Zoom realm where we all kind of gather in these digital spaces, it's really important to, yes, I think as a host you can say where you are, and in that process it's always very important to... Note in the present, you know, people, culture, land, place, now. Um, yes, and then you can very, I think, um, in a really generative way, uh, invite, request, demand—I say demand—that your listeners uh, do go to that, do go to that app, or do go to that website, and educate themselves and start to build those relationships that are really about reparation and equity and it, it does need to start with understanding where we each are and then figuring out what our responsibilities are to that place and to the people of that place
0: yeah and i think for me the action part is so key and it's mm-hmm. why um uh you know, Native Land, that app gives you, mm-hmm. it, it It tells you who was there, but it it doesn't, then you need to do a little more digging because it, it'll just, yeah. it'll give you this perimeter but then there's also there's a village that I can then get smaller in and find out mm-hmm. well, who, what was the village that was here mm-hmm. but then for me it also feels like and then tracing where are they now, I mean it's mm-hmm. interesting, it was interesting for me to see how many were displaced to Wisconsin, which is mm-hmm. where I grew up,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: um, because this is a uh, Mohican land. Mm-hmm. And so, but then I also want to pay attention to what the village was that was here. And then, and then there'll be like three different pronunciations.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I
0: want to make sure I'm doing that right, which feels then that's about contacting someone and then doing that research mm-hmm. as well um, who can make sure that I'm being respectful.
3: Yeah. I mean, con- I think you are. Bringing up a lot of the complexities, and certainly when you are stepping into reparations work, rematriative work, uh, relationship building, kinship building, anti racist work, uh, this is, there are so many complexities, and we need to be in all of those complexities and not be afraid to start because it's complex, you know. And so reaching out to build those relationships is absolutely a part of land acknowledgement and combating that erasure, you know? right? Um, which is why it's always very, very specifically important to be in, to be in present. Um, so I'm here in Lenapehoking, um, I'm in New York City on the Lower East Side, uh, and I, I try daily to bring my attention to the land that is here mostly beneath concrete here in New York City, but I try to understand that land beneath me and I am daily in, in, in relationship building with Lenape people who are here, the Lenape people who have been forcibly removed from here, um, and working on ways to build paths for Lenape people who want to come back to their homeland, that they could come back. I mean, I am here occupying their land. I am from the Yupik Nation up in Alaska. And I now live on somebody else's homeland. So that's a that's a specific complexity for me as well. And of course, New York City is home to so many millions of people and so many uh, of the urban native population of what is called the United States lives in New York City and have built this city literally <laughs> and build the cultural fabric of it daily now too.
0: And that's been so much of, I mean, that was how I first, when I, I think the first work of yours that I saw was the quilt,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, through, was it, had it turned to performance-based New York by that point?
3: Yeah. Just, just barely. It had just switched
0: from performance-based New York. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I really encourage our, uh, listeners to, uh, find out about the work that Emily Johnson is doing through Catalyst Dance, and also the work that Yanira Castro is doing, um, uh, uh, because, and I do, and I would like actually uh, for us to have a little time of talking about your work before we get into this document. Um, So I guess that, but I do want to start then with a land Mm acknowledgement. And Emily, I really appreciate you being open to me asking uh, these questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am, uh, and I have done some research I don't know, but the, the space I'm specifically in is, uh, Wargantis was is the original site of a Mohican Native American village, known as Squamemak. Uh, but it then it also gives three other, three other pronunciations for it. Um, I've been trying to track down who it is who I would speak to here, and the phone number no one picked up at the phone numbers I called, which I completely understand in this uh-huh. moment. Um, and I would try to do that before we spoke today. But uh, that is where I specifically am. And would you su- and and I would I, I'm really open to. Would you suggest when we have guests on the podcast that before we speak with them, we ask that they check in of where they are, they're at, and then we could always start that way.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
3: that's um, a, yeah. I think that's a really good protocol to start to um, to have in place okay. and to build build from there.
1: And what do you, Emily, use as a structure for how you word the land acknowledgement? Do you start with with the land and then move into where you are? I mean, a
3: uh, uh, it's a land acknowledgement, whether it's written or spoken, uh, is living and it is it's a it's a it's a breathing relationality uh, with place and people and context. So, to me, I, I think. I think relating to 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 all of those realms and all of those spheres in each specific moment is really important, and that is what makes it a living and breathing and personal relationship. Yeah. Um, not to not to center the person saying the acknowledgement, but but to to understand that it's not something that you just breeze by, and it's not a there's not a um, there's not like a checklist like check 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 you know that that's what makes it rote we've you right. you mentioned um jack australia and canada and they've uh people in what is called australia and canada have been uh, engaged in land acknowledgement practices for a long time but i do a lot of work in australia as well and they can become very rote processes that people just breeze very. by and to me that is really um that's very that causes harm actually yep um so i think i think the ways in which while those of us in what is called the united states are behind in many ways i think there's a way in which if we step into this process of land acknowledgement with equity with reparation um, with our black brothers and sisters with liberation in mind with sovereignty in mind with allyship in mind true allyship no not even allyship accomplish it <laughs> then then we're going to get somewhere you know right. and so 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 yes say the words but think about all of that at the same time <laughs>
0: And I feel it requires actually that people commit to expanding their feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the thing that's been hard when I've heard what we're currently calling land acknowledgement, Mm -hmm. where it is said incredibly, like so fast, I couldn't Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. make out what was being said. And it it felt like, and the exits are here and here. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, please turn off your cell phone, Mm -hmm. and it felt offensive. And Mm -hmm. so, I think for me, then in and Reid and I talked about this last week because I and I the reason we didn't do it last week was I wanted to wait and talk to you Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. what that means in a podcast landscape, and Mm
2: -hmm.
0: because I I do think it's important, but I also want to make sure that I'm not. It means something to me. It does mean something to me. But mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that, the, that that is conveyed through. And I think that was off of Reed's question of what else is there to put in? And the thing that I want to find out is wherever I am, then also who, who's there and mm-hmm. uh, you know and then you could I was is there something to do of providing you could you can look them up at blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. This is the mm-hmm. work that they're doing. This mm-hmm. is who I was able to speak with. Mm-hmm. Do you and suggest different... that?
3: Definitely, and different uh, different uh, uh, nations have have different things in place. If you were on Duwamish lands, for example, in Seattle, you could point people to um, to their website, and they have something called I'm um, forgetting what it's called right now, but you can you can basically pay rent. Like you, you they've set something up so that wow. you can you can pay rent. You know, so there so not every nation has that. something set up, but some do, and so there are ways in which you can you can you know you can take some immediate uh steps in the moment and and not as not as something to and i think this is just such an amazing um space in which we are all just so deeply thinking about our actions and the 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 actions that we just kind of do and toss aside and the actions that actually have resonance and so something like that I think is an action that can be done but it doesn't take the place of building deeper relationship either. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you're actually in a very interesting space that I don't know much about, but there's there is a lot of scholarship about colonizing the digital space. And so how mm-hmm. what are the ways in which you can acknowledge this and and what what do, what does that mean and, and yeah. where are you in mm-hmm. that
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I've, I feel completely I think that is and that was the question that Reid and I wanted to bring up for today oh, when when okay. this exists in this thing called the internet
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh which you know and then and then my mind starts to just like capsize under you know yeah who, who am I working for
1: it seems like now more than ever that our, you know, normally when we come together to make the podcast, we're all in one room. Correct. And now we almost always begin the podcast by saying, like, tell us where you are. So now more than ever, it makes more sense to have a discussion around this and to learn something.
3: In that way, these digital spaces can become really these hub spaces, you know, and it, it really is. It's, it is connecting us up via the lands that are supporting us all right now.
0: Well, and the thing that excites me about, or why even Reed and I started the podcast, was how to get this information outside of the bubble of New York City.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, to create dialogues in places that at least I, what I couldn't get to. I wasn't mm-hmm. being invited to tour there or mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. there. or And if I wanted to get my work to places like where I grew up, mm-hmm. I realized it would have to be through the internet. Um Partly because of funding, and also because of queerness and other reasons. So we know where I am and where you are. Reed, where are you?
1: I'm in Los Angeles, um, and it seems I'm at this intersection of a couple different peoples. Um, one of whom are called the Tongva, and I'm in Venice. So it seems like that was as that was kind of as um, close as I could come. There was another. There was another people's called the. What were they? There was. I'll have to come back next week with it, but it was a very unusual spelling, but the pronunciation was was quite different. It was like the the Keech, I think. But um, yeah, the native app um, application for the or native lands application for the phone was really it was both helpful and a little confusing.
3: Well, and that you know that is um I think an app that's always being updated, and you can't get to you know, how many hundreds of years of complexity can you get to on the app? You know, and <laughs> and, and so so. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good tool. And it's a really good starting place for sure. Um, yeah. Yes.
0: Well, and I feel that a way to, or how I use the app was it gave me just, it was, it said Mohican or Mohican. And then I just went on the internet and, tried to get as much information as I could that could mm-hmm. also be more specific to the village that was at, at around this very specific location I'm in
3: mm-hmm. and you, which you'll felt do, really important. right yep and you can you know you'll do your best work now as a as an ally and as as somebody learning and then you can change as you are told you know or, or, right. or as you learn right. as you gain knowledge right. as you gain yeah. relationship
1: and I mean I think our confusion around it's only going to open up doors to learn more about it. Right. 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 right.
0: And Yanira, where are you?
4: I am in the land of the Lenape in Canarsie in Midwood, Brooklyn. And I mean, I just want to say also that in using land acknowledgments, or hopefully even some more active word in the future that emerges, I'm also talking about how the land, these buildings that I'm currently surrounded by were largely created by immigrants and by enslaved Africans that were on these farms, on these lands. So that's a whole other realm of opening up the acknowledgement of like, what what is around us? Mm-hmm. This building that I'm inside of that was probably built mm-hmm. by immigrants in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not
3: only what's around us, but what do we... Depend on mm-hmm. what have we taken for yeah. granted? What do what have we you know used without either you know without our without knowing you know um, all of those things that need to come to 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 bear, and to, we need to really understand the the truth of of, of where we are and, yeah. and the complexity
4: of it's all of it. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: there was and and when I was re- doing research about. I think I'm going to continue to say what we now call land acknowledgement because <laughs> yeah. I, Emily, I really <laughs> look to you as someone who I've met who's at the forefront of it, whose whole career, <laughs> you know, we, we all have our entry points into why we do what we do. And, and this is, it's, it's like your, it's your North star. So I'm hmm. going to continue looking at to where you're looking and, and, something that I also really loved was talking about what existed here before in terms Mm -hmm. of what were what was the vegetation that was here what Mm -hmm. were the the ways in which people sustained themselves that also gets into what exists and what no longer exists Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. because of industrialization Mm -hmm. and uh and these other these other things that I think are important to bring attention to which is so exciting in what I'm Hoping can be a big rock bottom for this country called the United States of America, uh, around it's, um, relentless eating mm-hmm. it's uh, it's relentless mm-hmm. ingesting it's mm-hmm. capitalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's called capitalism, but uh-huh. we, we have other words for it, such as greed mm-hmm. and avarice, uh, selfishness and, um, And I'm also also curious about how that expands into land acknowledgement, or if you do that as a practice where you ever say these things were here and these things are no longer here. I went through and looked at many, many different people's ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. seems there is no codified structure, which I also appreciate, but want to ask that question about as well.
3: I think think that that can be powerful. Um, Again, if there is a focus on on present, not so much, like, somet- sometimes that can get into kind of a glorifying of a past that, like, or a romanticizing, I think that's a better word, you know, romanticizing of some past that was, you know, perfect harmony, blah, 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 like, that's bullshit, right? So, like, it, in in acknowledging, yes, where harm has been done to land because of capitalism and because of colonialism, I mean, all of the extractive industries are dead. Are are in a, a present moment, uh, you know, creating more forms of disenfranchisement. Like there are current forms of genocide against missing and murdered Indigenous women, exactly because of extractive industries taking oil, taking rock, taking sediment from land. I mean, this is current. We're not talking about the past. This is happening right now. And so, if I think if the way in which you're acknowledging the present atrocities with past and merging them into like, so that we can really shift the consciousness of those who are hearing what is being said, then we can start to create, to create change.
1: Um, That
0: opens up into another question for me, and this is going to then get into the document for both of you, which is about um, to help some people who may feel just a sense of overwhelm and feel let's just destroy. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some ways of, uh, building?
4: Well, I mean, so in terms
0: of what Emily was talking about earlier in terms of action.
4: Yeah. In terms of action. Well, I mean, I'm still really interested in this question of naming there's, I started off or kicked off this discussion today in the Facebook group for creating new futures because we have have a set of naming conventions in the document. And so, like, for instance, today, we've been using uh, the land or the country called the U.S., um, which, you know, which is what the document also, how it also refers to the country. Um, But in doing that, I recognized that inside that name, there was no recognition of the colonies. The islands that the U.S. is... I don't even know what you call it. It's not governing actually. <laughs> but um, so you know, how do we include that? But how do we include that acknowledging the relationship? So not using a possessive word, right? So not saying the country called the US and its whatever, like not using the possessive. Um, and it's just you know, broke up into this really lovely conversation that's just complicating and complicating further what the name is. So as an example, and just talking about my own island that I came from, not my island, but the island that I came from, that I was <laughs> born on, that, you know, generations of my family were born on, which is, you know, we've always called it Puerto Rico or Borinquen. Borinquen is the Taino name for the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in thinking about if we move forward with changing the document and we're all utilizing indigenous names, then we're going to use Borinquen, right, instead of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. But then what about the U.S.? Uh (laughs) Do we stop calling it the country called the U.S. and call it, you know, something else. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. these are just so, so the learning never ends is Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. is I think what I want to get at. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's Mm -hmm. just continuous learning and changing Mm -hmm. the language. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's my personal real um, investment in is like trying to locate how specific we can be around the relationships that we're forming and the relationships that we're talking about and the ones that we're engaging in. Um, So, I mean, you spending a lot of time trying to figure out exactly how something is said and all the different variations and why those variations exist is not to get to something that's right, but to like understand that for the people that lived there and live there now, all that complication always existed. It was never simple, Mm -hmm. right? So I don't know. I think I'm not answering your question.
0: No, (laughs) I think that was a
3: beautiful answer. (laughs) You really
0: answered the question and it really choked me up because I've been thinking, looking at both of you and being familiar with your artistic work and thinking about artists who are activists, of which I have been feeling a lot of feelings around because of, I've just, after Bill and this past year, my whole research was through the AIDS Royal History Project Mm. and thinking about these people who I don't have, thinking about the people who are here and artists as activists just, or activists who are artists, I guess is sort of where I'm placing it. I think that is part of the excitement is that is, Yanina, in terms of your work and Emily, in terms of your work and, and having seen it both, I can I can speak about like how you've used mystery formally and how you've used mystery actually to open up to create larger zones of um, complexity and how can we hold more instead of narrowing. Mm-hmm. So Yanina, what you said I feel is really, both sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do really encourage p- people go check out their work. It's um, and and are con- I mean, Yanina, do you call a a, to- a canary torsi? A canary torsi, company?
4: yeah. Well, it's not a, a company. It's a co- it's a group of people that are working on a group on a, on a work together, and that right. can change and shift depending on individual projects. But it's just again using the word acknowledgement is <laughs> an acknowledgement that I'm not working by myself. Um, and, um, yes. So, so that's, so that's where the word comes from.
0: And Emily Catalyst dance for you comes from, I mean, I, think I get it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Back in what, just after finishing, uh, university, what should I call this thing, this thing that I want to try to do. And I had, um, just after I went to the university of Minnesota and, Just after graduating in uh, 98, I went, uh, my grandmother and I went to a a Yupik dance festival in a village called St. Mary's, Alaska, the the true name of which I don't know how to pronounce. And so, you know, I'd spent four years in this institution learning techniques and theories and styles of dancing and then, you know, wanted to be a choreographer and make things and, you know, in, in you know, working through that in the studio and then I go to this dance festival for four days with my grandmother and then I'm just seeing I'm seeing you know potluck potlatch happening in the back and seeing dancing going on for four days solid with elders and kids and there's this call and response that happens there's this like all of the village dance groups came together um, for these four days so there was all this you know you know, inter-village, inter-community, intergenerational work that is about the present, but also the past and into the future. And I was like, I don't see this on stages in Minneapolis. I don't see this. On, like, I, 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 started to understand work as, or at least I, under, I started to understand my, my place as being one for making, making connection, for making change, for trying to make change, for trying to build relationship between people and place and past and future. Um, yeah, and so that, that, that word, Catalyst, came to mind um, in a little brainstorm session with friends in, I think,
0: 1999. <laughs> <laughs> did you grow up in
3: Minneapolis, Emily? No, no, I grew up in Alaska um, on Dena'ina and Kanaitse land uh, in the south-central area of Alaska. Okay.
0: And then when did you come to Minnesota?
3: Uh, for, after, for university. I went University to it. So in 94, I went
0: to And then you were in Minneapolis for a while.
3: I was for, I don't know how, some 20 years, a little more than 20 years. Somehow. Well, I love My <laughs>
0: sister lives in Minneapolis. My I, mate, it was I grew a good up place. there a lot and I've mm-hmm. loved it. And I've also, it's been a lot watching it in the mm-hmm. last yeah. few weeks and yeah. all of it, which I was completely like, that is <sighs> true. I've seen it mm-hmm.
1: there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that about Minneapolis. I really like, this comes as a surprise to me that the police mm-hmm. is so corrupt in Minneapolis where like the people I know who come from Minneapolis mm-hmm. are so cool. It They're, is one
0: of these cities where you go and you walk in the street and everyone will say hi to you. Mm-hmm. And it is also completely, um, uh, there. It, it, it's the racial class divide is also very clear.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And... Uh, and where the police are used by the completely ineffectual government. And there's a lot of, like, really corrupt uh, government things that have happened through Minnesota and Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. I mean, the releasing of all the people from that mental health institution and the removal of, I mean, this is, there's a lot, as Mm -hmm. there is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, and Yanina, when did you come to the, because you grew up first in, I lived... In Puerto Rico, right? Yeah,
4: I lived there until I was about eight, and then I came to the U.S. um, not knowing English um, and being dropped off in a small town in New Jersey called Berkeley Heights, which my parents (laughs) moved there because it was that year literally the safest town to live in in all of the United States. Wow. So what better place, except for... There was no resources. There was no, no one to teach me English, nothing. I learned English watching the Brady Bunch, um, which in and of itself is very confusing. <laughs> um, so a lot of TV in my life, um, <laughs> Learning how white people live. <laughs>
0: mm, very specific suburban. <laughs> very specific suburban.
4: People. You know, like, uh, Divorced people that have the exact same number of children with a nanny. <laughs> like,
0: the same number of gender children. Yeah, the same number <laughs> like, of gender, gender really children. Really
4: <laughs> specific. <laughs> really specific. Um, and I mean, that experience, which was of trying to translate is mm-hmm. is is essentially what I feel I've been doing for the rest of my life is how how
2: yeah
4: how do we talk about translation how do we see how yeah. do we understand what we're looking at how do we understand yeah, that yeah. what we're seeing has all this complexity and layers of meaning um, yeah. because you know when when you don't understand the language what you can read is the is the body language the facial expressions mm. and that actually says so much more, as we all know, (laughs) than, Mm -hmm. than whatever words they may have been saying to me. Um, and that pretty much stayed with me until almost high school where there were certain kinds of like situations or circumstances where I just didn't fully understand exactly what was happening, (laughs) you know, and I would have to like create or construct my own meanings out of the situation. Um, and then I moved to Miami, which was just like, (laughs) it's just like and then go back the other way um and uh interestingly enough i was in miami during um uh the 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 rodney king um situations which happened in la but also in miami were quite um uh you know intense um because if you've ever been to miami it's it's an extremely segregated city um i mean they all are (laughs) um (laughs) But Miami is just like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, the, the demarcations are just really severe. Um, yeah. So, so that's, those are all the places where I've sort of been. And the law
0: enforcement in Miami, and especially at that time, yeah. was notorious for how corrupt yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very corrupt. I mean, it still is. It's, yeah. And then when did you come to New York?
4: I came to New York right out of college. I went to Amherst. Um Actually, interestingly enough, since you had Bill on the show last week, I uh, I wanted to be a writer, but um I was at UMass. Uh, well I was at Amherst College, but at UMass at the Fine Arts Center, they brought Bill T. Jones and they brought Sankai Juku and Laura Dean all in one year. And Laura I Laura Dean,
0: come on. Reid and
4: I have <laughs> talked about, about Laura, Laura Dean before. Where is yeah. Laura Dean? Um anyway. She's in the, where, in the woods where we maybe all should be um, yeah yeah, and I had just never seen anything like that yeah. I mean I'd seen up to that moment in my life I had seen literally I had seen every musical you could possibly see on, in on TV <laughs> many times over <laughs> and um And, you know, and that's about it. I think uh, maybe, oh, and Baryshnikov and Jossie Kirkland doing The Nutcracker. Anything that was on TV, I had seen. (laughs) Thank God for HBO. Um, So I had never seen anything like that. And it was just, it really changed my life. But. The thing that I, there's two moments. You know how when you there's something that you've seen and it just stays with you forever? Well, there's two okay. moments. And one is, um, I don't know if any of you have seen Sankai Jouk, is the egg. But there's a moment in which there's this one figure, this one man who just rises from the water and gets down into the water, rises on the water, gets down from the water, like over and over and over and over again. And that sort of like physical, like feeling Mm. that kind of rocking, like, has, Mm. like, to this day, I can kind of feel like I can feel Mm. that feeling of that. I don't know what that is. (laughs) It's like, it's, 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 it's impossible to put a word to that, right? It's just like, Mm. to that, to that, to that rocking. But the other is Bill sitting across from a local uh, minister talking about God. And going, this is dance.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: That was dance. Mm -hmm. Dance was Mm -hmm. this repetition getting up and down Mm -hmm. from the water and Mm -hmm. this black man who I didn't know and this minister talking about God across Mm -hmm. from this long wooden table. Mm -hmm. That was dance. Mm -hmm. And everybody told me, you know, these people are in New York. So I was like, oh, so I'm going there. Uh, (laughs) That's how I ended up in New York. Amazing. (laughs) I know, it's like, these people are in New York. Fine. (laughs) That's where I'm going. Um, And
0: so then you came, and so you got here.
4: I got here and I tried, uh, 94, and I tried to get myself an education while working a full-time job in terms of like, I didn't know dance, really. I knew and a little also bit. And going
0: through AIDS crisis and the culture wars, and really yes. at this point we're kind of coming at the end of the culture wars where everything's gone.
4: Everything's gone. Which is,
0: which is, so, which I'm so I'm really excited to talk about in terms of this document, yeah, of AIDS and the culture wars at the same time.
4: Right at the same time, and then the, and you're right. At that point there was nothing, but there was this. There was definitely this feeling coming into the city of feeling like, well, like I would hear people older than me speaking of, of like what there had been. And I would just be like, I don't know what that is. So, mm-hmm. and, and I remember actually thinking, I don't know what that is. So that's helpful. <laughs> In other words, if I had known what it was like to have a full blown company...
0: Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. get twelve grand from the NEA every year as, a, mm-hmm. as an individual artist.
4: Yes, exactly. When we had
0: Terry on, Terry brought that up. of there mm-hmm. was a time when artists received twelve grand, a year, and you know, wow. and this is at a time when if we push that to what that would be now, right, that's a lot more. That's a lot more. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, how um, I, I I understand from having read the document how this began, but um, I would now I would I would love for, to hear you guys talk about. This, this document.
4: Well, it started with Emily's Facebook post, so maybe we should start there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. And also,
0: ladies, and gentlemen, other. The document is called "Working Guidelines for Ethics and Equity in Presenting
3: Dance and Performance." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think genera is really good at telling the creation story of this document, but it did, it did. I mean, it started because everybody was so was so uh, frustrated with with what was happening. I mean, the the unethical behavior that is excavated, Karen Sherman, one of the um, uh, working group members of phase one, really um, has utilized this word excavated, like phase one is really an excavation of, of so much of what is wrong in this performing arts field, what is inequitable, what is unethical. And it just so happened that because of the COVID crisis, um, Many, many, many artists experienced an—I would just say—an unethical uh, cancellation, kind of all mm-hmm. at once. Um, and it's because it happened to so many people at once that that energy of of, of needing to needing to resist that um, is is what sparked this document. I and one day, you know, I was just getting all of the emails saying. You know, this was postponed. This was canceled. This was postponed. This was canceled, and um, nothing ever mentioned anything about like nothing even nothing even started with. I mean, at least the ones I got, nothing really in my memory started with anything about how are you doing. <laughs> you know, nothing wow. really started with nothing started with you know what are you thinking or where how could we shift this or where what, what you know let's let's pause and then come reconvene in you know a month like it was all just just very very i think dangerous dangerously quick cancellations right because that threw us also into us artists into an emergency response mode where then we were we're not thinking through this moment of of crisis this moment of emergence we are the we are we are the best at moving through or finding ways through times like that and and that was that was stripped because we were suddenly like How do we, how do we pay rent next month? And so just one day, just being frustrated, I just wrote something on email begging presenters to stop sending something that didn't at least say, Oh, and the, you know, X amount of money that we were going to pay you is also gone. You know, none of them were were talking about the realities. Mm -hmm. And, and I, at that point, even it was like, at least give us that, uh, at least meet us with some sort of professionalism that we might then because at that point you could apply to the emergency grants or eventually to unemployment and we need that information. We need that information well, and I in solid I was solid shocked form.
0: by that. Ugh. I was shocked to hear that you had to ask yeah. for you know and, and then also how that felt. Mm-hmm. Um and, and this is going and then I am looking at this the Facebook post that that you wrote um about needing the information and letters from them to apply mm-hmm. to the emergency grants and unemployment mm-hmm. some of mm-hmm. you are depending on and and as you write it is demoralizing to have to write back to you gently remind you of the financial crisis and ask for the information you could have supplied to help ease this process mm-hmm. yeah and it that <laughs> you are completely correct yeah. that it, i i was I was shocked to read that that hadn't been included in these emails. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any upcoming, <laughs> any upcoming <laughs> anything, so I didn't get any emails of. I was dealing with just barred, being like, "How are we going yeah. online?" <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I I had several emails like cancellations, and it wasn't until I read this document really that I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was not handled well. (laughs) And, you know, Harriet was a little bit more tuned in to it initially because one of our cancellations, she wrote to them and she was like, "Will, will you give us some of the money? Mm-hmm. that was promised, and I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good I'm just like so accustomed exactly. to being mistreated, you know, exactly. in a way that I
4: was just like, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Exactly. You can cancel right. it. I'll right.
1: go away. Oh, that, that year that we've been talking already
3: and we haven't been paid anything. Oh, right. Oh, right. That was worth nothing yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what
4: made me so angry yeah. was not just that they didn't include it, but then that the artist wrote the letter herself it yeah. was like... <laughs> and here it is for you. Just <laughs> right.
1: yeah. Sign it. Yeah, I was reminded <laughs> reminded about points in my career where people have been like, "Can you can you just write the letter?" And I'm like, "I don't know mm-hmm. how to do that." Like I literally dance around and make clothes. I don't know. But it's strange. Like they ask a lot of 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 us things that we're not really equipped to understand, yeah. or or,
3: d- or just that then we're not compensated for exactly.
1: Which, which I think that right the down. document
3: again excavates the many layers of work that we do, but we're paid for this one stream of of our expertise. But actually, we right. have a breadth of expertise, but that is required. You right. know,
0: that yeah. is required, yeah. and also perhaps uh, not in a conscious way, but that gets preyed on. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. That gets exploited, right. and uh, that. Um, demands this, well, if you don't have an administrator, you'll also have to be an administrator because uh-huh. our administration can't handle your administration, uh-huh. which uh-huh. it's like, well, then what do you do?
1: I was struck by the section in the document where you talked about, like, the artist and their representation, and I was like, representation? I was like, who has that? Yeah, <laughs> and, and just from... At the beginning,
3: too, and Janera and jump in, but, there, you know, so there were other artists calling these things out yes. at the exact same time, too. Miguel Gutierrez had this had a Instagram post that um, was, was saying much of the same. Uh, Dakota uh, Alcanta Camacho was grappling with a cancellation on Facebook. And, and so it just, it, it was, again, it was, it was just that we were, that so many people were experiencing something that we needed to get through. Um, well, and
0: Miguel's post being, and I am not on Facebook anymore, it's, I, I, for numerous, for very good reasons, reasons. so I understand, though so I understand Instagram is Mark Zuckerberg's everywhere, unfortunately, but, um, but, uh, you know, and so when reading your document, I went back, and also Miguel's thing of this is my job, this is my full-time job, this is, these gigs are the job, and when you just, and so, And I think it is, it is, it is, I was really surprised to hear that there were so many emails that were sent out that were so blanket. At the same time, I want to, in terms of the solidarity statement that you open up with, I I also, do you mind that I'm quoting some of this document on this? There was something that I really appreciated um, in terms of uh, this quote from Emily Johnson, Roya, how do I say Roya's last name?
3: Amir, Amir Soleimani.
0: Thank you, and Aaron, uh, Boberg, Doughton, who I know from Pika, um, and the way that it, that it you you begin in saying, I'm just going to read the whole thing. When it comes to the work of decolonization and indigenization, everything about an institution must change, from structure, government, governance, and leadership to ethos, values, and worldview. The shift of consciousness and action that is needed in the world recognizing, acknowledging, centering, respecting, and understanding indigenous knowledge, art, making culture, leadership, and sovereignty become reality. This is what is needed to build equity. And then this, I think it really goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of there is some hesitation on our part and not wanting to misstep, offend, or do the wrong thing, but we can't let a fear of mistakes or discomfort preclude us from trying and doing the hard work we have a lot of progress to make in this area and the path is not clear. Mm -hmm. And I love that it began that because I feel there's so much hesitation from artists to not say, is there more? I'm one of those people who, because of how I grew up, I have some of that under earner thing where then I'm like, I don't know how to say, is there, I don't know that I can afford to do this Mm -hmm. instead of I'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and I, then i think what that as we've seen for artists eventually creates burnout and they just go away.
4: Right. I mean i because
0: they don't feel cared about because they perhaps don't know how to take care.
4: Yeah. We started with that quote because i i so you're calling me an activist artist but i had never necess- i have never taken on that mantle ever before and was actually <laughs> really afraid to do that. Not because sure. i didn't uh have statements or actions that I've done, but, um, it it connoted a certain kind of way of being that in my imagination was something much larger than myself. And so I couldn't imagine Mm. that in myself. I don't know if that makes sense, but so, you know, what happened is in that email, in that facebook message that emily put forward i wrote some kind of statement i don't even remember what it was but something basically saying something like well you know maybe what we need to, maybe what we need to do is consider some kind of document or some kind of something where people can come together and talk about these issues because clearly the artists are angry but where where is the other side where is the other conversation who are we having these discussions discussions with and um jumatatu basically i think was a call out basically saying who's that we is that you not in that language in the most generous gentle language because that is jumatatu but it i i closed the computer for a while And I was like, if I respond to this and say, I will do it, I will start this thing. I don't know if I'm going to do it well. In fact, I'm fairly sure I won't do it that well because I've never done it before. But I, I had participated in the writing of very early on in my years in New York, the Dancers Compact. And so I was like, well, that's what the Dancers Compact tried to do. It tried to bring choreographers and dancers together to talk about how can we have healthy relationships with one another, right? Like what, what is a rehearsal, you know, how, what's a healthy rehearsal? What is, you know, what is talk around pay that is like equitable and fair, right? So I took a while to then write back, you know, and, and say like, okay, I'm going to try to do this. And then Karen Sherman was like, and I'll help you. And then Juma Batata was like, and I will put all this stuff together for you in a word doc. And from that one page word doc came 140 something pages. So
0: if you include the table of contents, 145. <laughs> yeah, when I opened it last week, I was like, because when it came out, it was the end of the semester. And I saw, I, well, I, or I saw something about it and I was like, I am going to get to this this summer. <laughs> and then and then we interviewed Bill last week and he was like, Did you read that document? I had all my dancers read it and I was like, I gotta read it.
1: I mean it's it is it's as like to call it a document is like, oh, it it is long, but it's a quick read because it's so relatable. You're like, Oh, I'm seeing my <laughs> <Yeah>. entire career <laughs> yeah. unfolded in horror. It made like, me I know. So, I, know. I
2: know. It made me
0: the re- the <laughs> testimonials were really hard because it felt like a continual, a continual reifying of every experience I've had (sighs) that felt Mm -hmm. that I think felt like I don't, you know, and it is this thing of, you know, when people talk about the quote unquote dance community, I remember years ago being like, what's that?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What is that? I feel, and I have felt that this, that's the scarcity modality set up a lot of fracturing that I do not blame the artists for and in reading the programmer perspectives I don't blame the programmers for and it's where I really continually go back to the AIDS crisis and the culture wars and what happened in terms of the the defunding of the arts Mm -hmm. on the right and the left side Mm -hmm. Because there were many left institutions that would not present work that they were afraid was going to ruffle any feathers mm-hmm. yeah. of granting bodies. Uh-huh. We know about that happening with Karen Finley. I don't want to call out this one institution, uh-huh. but it happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and that's just an example.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And so, I think in looking at this document and feeling like, wow, here we've all been. There were there there's some there's so much in this. So I just picked a couple of things for podcast today there were there were two things that i i believe are that uh, karen has sort of bulleted and then there's things from other people i loved dance as anti-capitalist in its essence because it's anti-materialist
3: mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm struck so often that we um and and it is it, 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 it is this this deep um desire of artists to make and to be and to create and so we do and then we Somehow, somehow, all mostly, uh, just just like said yes to that really shitty capitalist system that we were in, <laughs> like so, you know, like you. Otherwise, there was no choice. And so, so, so what? What I am so excited for, and that, and with the continuation of this document into phase two, and more and more and more phases that are going to be more inclusive inclusive and find it and get at uh, get at actions we've started a we've started at least one page of of, act, of actions now you know and we can speak a little bit to some of to some of those because there's the immediate harm reduction that needs to happen and there's the long-term thinking that needs to happen there's a whole entire restructuring of the system like I'm even as it's been a few weeks since publishing this document, and I'm like, oh, right, I was thinking too small. Actually, do we even need curators? Do we even need presenters at the moment anymore? Like, look at the theaters here in New York City and, and elsewhere that are, are now essential. They've opened their lobbies to protesters. They're gathering, they're doing a complete different allocation of resources, providing uh, water and food and places to rest and battery chargers for, for protesters. Like, okay. So you used to have your doors shut and you'd just open them for a show. Like, I don't ever want to go back to that. You know, what else can we ch- really, really, really change about this entire system?
0: Yes. Well, and I think, and that, the, the second one that I, I took, because I just wanted to focus on too, was the, not talking about money and white supremacy are necessary partners.
4: I really wanted the funders to talk. Um, Because, I mean, this is no secret. The entire uh, field is structured around how money funnels through, right? So if, if it comes from the funder, which is, I mean, there's a long history that we discussed potentially going into in this document, but we were running out of time. And also, like, how are we going to do that responsibly in terms of talking about where the money comes from from these foundations? You know, where does the money from do come from? Where does the money, you know? It's a whole other realm, but let's just face the fact that it's dirty money. Um, so you have the funder that funnels it to a presenter organization type that then goes down to what we sometimes called a lead artist, and then trickles down, right? So we have this like pyramid that we're all (laughs) really complicit inside of. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to have conversations with funders. I wanted them to talk about their structures. And I kept often getting a version of the response of which was basically that they wanted the artist to lead, And I think in many ways, they felt that this was a compliment. I basically wanted but didn't scream into the phone to basically say, yes, we want a grassroots movement, right? artists but hello <laughs> like mm-hmm, right. to dismantle to burn the whole thing down which was actually the secret title of the document was burn it all down <laughs> we need to talk <laughs> to you you're the ones holding mm-hmm. this, right. and all the rules right. around this now granted there's also all kinds of federal laws around this stuff too that need to be dismantled it's all very complicated but it was important that they start that they talk. At that stage, I think there was a lot of fear and un, I wouldn't say unwillingness, but a desire to see where it was going. I, I, we speak a little bit about the privilege that we have as artists to have Map Fund or the NPN pick up a call and basically call Karen and Emily and say, we see you're doing this. We want to support it. We want to give you money. And people have asked me since, well, what was the application like? And I was like, there was no application. So just think about that. There was no application. And I say this with all kinds of gratitude in terms of like, we were, giving, we were given funds to do this work and grateful for it. Um, but also it speaks to a lot of how these things are structured in the same way that we're saying, oh, the doors are open and you can get water and you can get rest in a lobby of a theater, oh, this money appears to do this work that is necessary without the year-long wait (laughs) and the rewriting of proposals over and over again.
0: And at least a three-system jump through. Right. Right when you go to write a grant, where you write the first one, you get to the next round, then you do the work samples, you write about the work samples, then you get to the final phase. What will your project look like exactly? And how will it affect a community? Uh And know that all before Uh you begin rehearsal. Right,
4: and know that all before you begin rehearsal. And, And I recognize that they felt that there was a moment that needed to be met and that they saw in Karen and Emily artists that they knew and so felt comfortable making that leap. Um, But there's just something about that whole system that I would like to see changed. And so, you know, that's what I really would love for us to get to as a a community and as a field, to start talking about the money, to start talking about how scarcity is a mentality. There is a lot of money. The foundations are supposed to work themselves into oblivion by solving a problem but that's not what they're doing. Um, so, I don't know, just a lot of transparency and a lot of discussion needs to happen. Um, I am hopeful that those conversations can start to happen. Um, and I think the uprisings have only supported that movement, the defunding of the police, you know, is, is being able to reimagine how money is used to support people, to support people. Mm-hmm. And so that's the same way I feel about dance funding. Can we support people and not projects?
3: And not institutions. Right, and not that, institutions that, and, that are right. often engaged in this unethical behavior. And so how do and we and maybe
4: do that? even more well, that was my
3: question even I was
0: no, going and again, I'm one, sorry, go with last one, even
4: more radically, instead of supporting individual lone artists you know, special people, <laughs> can we fund the community? What would UBI look like for the dance community? Right. <laughs> what if everyone got, I don't know how much money, $3,000 or, right. or or well, more, $10,000, you from, know?
0: Someone gets the $50,000 grant that year and everyone else gets nothing. And then, and then you expect all the artists to be like, well, that's how it works and don't get resentful. And... You know, but back to this not talking about money and white supremacy are necessary partners. Is there also something inside of that about uh, when you, because you mentioned that, you know, dirty money or this idea of money laundering, like where is it coming from and who? Who's, who's looking to sort of like offshore some of their assets and just deposit it into uh, a place that if we were to track back where certain money came from, it comes from someone who does not hold our ethics. I'm, I'm giving language here to how I read it, but is this part of also what we're talking about here?
3: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of extractive industries and I mean the, the foundations that this uh, performing arts system relies upon are foundations that were built on genocide and slavery. That That is just... That is fact. And they continue because of capitalism. So as long as we're engaged in these processes, we are complicit. So how do do we change that?
0: Oh, I am so into it.
1: (laughs) It does feel a little bit like an unanswerable question. I mean, hopefully there is some kind of solution, but that so much of the wealth belongs to these hyper-capitalist people who, who donate to... Organizations and then distribute money to mm-hmm. us. We then it falls upon our shoulders to speak on it in our own complicity. But we we're the one we have nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to imagine like where then where then we will go to find resources to continue. Except that
3: we have everything. Like we are the reason those institute the. Performing arts, cultural, et cetera, institutions exist. They have nothing if they don't have artists and thought and making and movement and transformation that we are the ones creating. You know, so it's it's yeah. How do we how do we flip Well, back? what's exciting about that,
0: <laughs> or what that kind of is interesting to me, as when we were when we interviewed Bill T, he was like, "How old are you?" And I said, "I'm 41." He goes, "Oh, you're right between hot baby and elder." <laughs> And uh, and my because I had firsthand experience in my later 30s of if I passed on something, a younger person was more than happy to take pick it up. Mm -hmm. And it was where I think that inside Mm -hmm. of this movement, inside of us all waking up to where are we complicit in racism is is where we're really obviously Mm -hmm. all looking right now. And then how does that tie into government? And then when you get, when we spin back to artists, we're like, but I have nothing and I just have to take that gig." Mm-hmm. But yes, this thing of, you know, yeah. in the scarcity, everyone will just fight for themselves. And so Emily was singing, but what if we fight for each other?
3: Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, and, and you know, you need, you need tools and you need, you need ways in which to do that. And I think some of the things that I'm really excited about with, with, ongoing phases of this document like there, there are many but just some are things like and and these are just ideas so far these are ideas and and there will be many more and these are only a few but something like an ethics council right that is uh, a place that where artists can come to when there are grievances it's a place that um, reimagines agreements where existing models don't apply it's a place about right relationship it's a place where um you know, maybe there's an ethics council and a grievance council, and like, how are those intertwined? And maybe there's more uh, papers about the philanthropic systems that we have just talking about. Maybe there are um, non negotiable, non negotiable statements about reparations and cultural overhaul within the institutions. And maybe the ones who don't do that work, like I said, don't get funded. How do we get to that point? Can we create some um, harm reduction strategies that are about environment writers intersectional writers disability access writers health writers that all of the artists agree to like we need something that that is like that that has some some weight behind it some some kind of way that we can act together because we can and this is part of this is part of abundance it's like here's what I have here's what we have to bring to this change you know and so we need to make some of those tools or some of those points of access that we can
4: dig in right you know? and also to recognize that, you know, especially as gig workers, we are just like every other gig worker, right? So yes. we don't have any support structures yes. and so we don't have yes. health care and we don't have these things. Yes. So, you know, banding with others to fight for UBI and fight for universal health care. Um, just that alone, if every young dancer had UBI and universal health care, like, can you just imagine how much more would be possible for them?
2: Mm. Right. hmm
4: Changing how how we live in the city so that it's not so expensive for young people and artists coming here. Like, just there's so many things, but it's not just connected to artists, it's connected to the entire population of the city.
0: Well, and artists are, as we know, this, or how it feels anyway, that's at the bottom of the ladder. And yet we are the culture of the society. Mm-hmm. And so it is this, that is this thing around its equity and, uh, and how, how can there be any? And, and it's interesting. I really also appreciate the programmer perspectives, which were compiled by Sarah Greenbaum, Brian Rogers and Tara Ayesha Willis. Tara was also in the fellowship with me this past year. I love her so much that mm-hmm. this thing I, that Aaron uh, Boberg brings up about um, uh, getting our uh, oxygen mask on. We need to get our oxygen mask on at, to help others. And so, and that did bring up this kind of question of, I hear that, and but can we be included on that? Like this thing of, you know, we're trying to fix the plane while flying it. And it's like, well, we're here. Mm-hmm. We might have ideas for how to fix the plane. We're a passenger on your plane. And um, I think there is this thing that's interesting of, uh, that, that you brought up of someone being like, I... Well, artist, what was it? The artist comes first, or what did the person say you want to scream? We want the artist to be the lead or something.
4: The well, to lead they, it? they want the artist to lead, they want the artist to lead the change. And, uh-huh. and, you know, it's just, it, for me, it's but a no. way of, of not taking responsibility
0: sure then just let me then we ha- then you have to kind of open up the cockpit right. yeah. and and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, to, and to, so that one of us can be like we'll try pressing that button <laughs> yeah. queen
2: you know <laughs> it's, it's, like,
0: it's a real it's, it's a real we'll just do the best we can you know and, and that Rachel Cook later says you know uh, how can we the biggest mechanism that is in place yet is a way for curators arts administrators and art workers to feel comfortable really openly talking about money and I mean really talk openly Mm -hmm. about money Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again I think that's where it really comes back up into this into where um a system did I lose you all know my back in where this white supremacist capitalist system because it all goes together
1: I I had a, a a question but sort of about my own experience in that my work happens in a few different sort of financial echelons of the dance world. And um while I was reading the document, I was sort of struck by like, I don't know if the ballet companies and the huge arts organizations are even capable of being a part of this conversation. And I was curious hmm. from you guys, like, in what way are they a part of this conversation if if they are in fact relevant at all? To this, to what we're talking about in this document?
4: We talked about how we felt, because of the world in which the people involved in the document were coming from, that we were talking about our experiences coming out of a nonprofit and we debated this word and couldn't come up with anything experimental work, right? Um, and particularly rooted in dance. Um, and that because this is the work that we do and come from, thinking about who the presenters were that were involved, thinking about the artists who were involved, but that we hoped and wanted this to be able to support the work of other performing artists and artists who are not inside of that. So the ballet companies, I mean, they, and I don't really know that much about it, but most of them work under union contracts. It shifts a lot of the conversation, right? Right presumably because of that they have health care because of that they have some uh, structures around which they can be safe or or know Mm -hmm. that a certain amount of income will come to them no matter what which is amazing Um, but that is a very different structure from the ones that we were coming from. And that's not to say that the ballet world doesn't have a whole host of other issues. It is just ones that we felt we didn't have the knowledge base to speak from. But we did feel that they were probably things that we were saying or trying to get to, especially around philanthropy, which I think is just barely starting to say something that does apply to that world. But I can't speak to it with any kind of confidence (laughs) because it's not the world I know. No,
1: that made sense. As I read the the document, I thought, should I send this to friends in the ballet world? And I was like, I don't understand. I don't think this relates to them in a way because they have such a structure of protections in place that are not afforded people and freelancers in this kind of work. So it just didn't, there was a disconnect. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was, thank you for explaining that better than I could.
3: We, al- we also are quite cognizant that there, there are so many people, artists, dancers, large institutions, the philanthropists, who, who aren't, whose voices aren't in, in phase one document. And mm-hmm. so there are, there are many, many people and communities of people who, who I think we feel like should be involved in ongoing phases yeah. so that we can start to get at some of those issues and
0: My hope with this podcast that we're putting out today is that if people listen, and we'll be we'll be posting about it, that that and that anyone can can read this document. It is an open document, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. It is.
3: Yeah. There's something that that this this part of the conversation is making me think of, and thinking of the you know the the inside title of you know burn all down, start again, and this moment that we are all in which is that you you're actually in a complete overhaul which is what we are going through in an uprising and a revolution pillars do not remain so and they shouldn't they shouldn't remain they, there shouldn't be some that are you know held held in a bubble and not cha- not be part of some change everyone has to change at different like there is there's no unifying like system of change that's why it's called systems change there are so many systems there are so many changes there's so many layers and levels and spheres involved in transformation but i think to truly get at a shifted world every, every all 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 should be part of it right?
0: can, can, and i and i well and i think that is where i do look to these people who have access that i don't that that or at least those of us in this call that we don't immediately, but might know people who do, and and asking for allyship. I mean that's mm-hmm. this thing mm-hmm. of if you have mm-hmm. privilege, please use it, because until the most, I mean politically, until the most vulnerable are free, no one is free, and that can be hard for people when they're just mm-hmm. comfortable, and or mm-hmm. feel they've earned a way into just getting to be comfortable, and then I I don't know what. Pema Chodron talks about like getting in a vitamin capsule and floating away into the universe, right. you know, this sort of like kind of uh, capitalist association or, or
4: something. Well, for me, it's not, you know, this, this analogy may not quite work, <laughs> but it's kind of like the academic system, right? You have professors that have full time jobs that are very safe and tenured, that could be your ballerina. And then you have the adjunct professors who have no support structures, don't know if they're going to get hired again. And that's the gig dancer, essentially. So they are working inside a system. We're all working inside systems in which there are some of us that are safe and there are some of us that are not safe. And how has that safety been structured and by who and for what reasons? And that's, that's the dismantling that sort of needs to be like busted wide and talked about and discussed
0: i remember reading this the pandemic as a portal and the financial times when it came out in in april Love because that. that got sent that, that got sent around by i believe his name is pronounced arundhati roy um but this thing of is that right Yanira? yeah okay this thing of i also had wanted to do you mind if i quote this inside of it's in this document but ladies and other i was as uh, Roy says, historically pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, our dead rivers and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through lightly with little luggage, ready to reimagine another world and ready to fight for it. And the way this pandemic, and now what we're seeing in terms of this lo- the long standing uh, nightmare that is what we call the United States of America, how can we? I keep going back to. I've thought a lot of when Bill Bill brought up in, in our interview of, had he been naive when he believed that Martin when Martin Luther King said that that uh, that there's been this liberation and. And I think this thing of we're in a long haul, a long commitment haul. What are the structures that you're putting in place for how you're going to work, how you're going to continue to work on this, who's involved in it, how you take care of your time and energy and resources as people whose gigs have all been canceled (laughs) while figuring out your fiscal lives, your mental health, your physical health, going to the protests, being involved politically and working on this document for the livelihood of, Art that we care about.
4: Um, well, speaking just about the document itself and moving forward, um, we were surprised by the response. And when we were imagining phase two, what do you mean? Well, we didn't. So how many people were? I mean, up for it. Well, yeah. I mean, we had over seven thousand people at Real Talk.
3: Wow. <laughs> from work. from many many countries. From many different.
4: Right countries and, and in different, yeah, Yeah. it was just so, okay. So there's that. (laughs) Um, and then when we originally imagined phase two, before the document went out, we were like, Oh, there'll be six people who'll show up, who want to be the next people who will want to write something and we'll help them do that. And then they will do that. And we'll go on to other things that 7 people is like 1300 in the Facebook group. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, like, and, and like so you know closing in on 100 and on Slack which we just opened y- yesterday. Right right. Um, and I don't know what to do with that, but at, at some point I was just like, well, this isn't this isn't just a group of writers. This is now a movement. And I don't know how to direct a movement. <laughs> and in fact, you don't direct a movement, actually. I mean, so um, what... Well, so we're starting small. This afternoon, I'm meeting with a group of writers who are interested in doing um, testimonials with artists who have disabilities or who are immunocompromised. So starting to talk with them about how they want to form that. Um, And it is our, I guess I can announce this. (laughs) Um, It is our intention on June 25th, which is a Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to invite people who want to get involved in phase two to start talking about what that is. We have um, some money that has been given to us by MPN, MAP and MERS to begin this next phase, but we don't want to be the ones that decide how that money happens. So this is a very different experience from 10 people getting together on a zoom and trying to figure out what, how to do it. It's however many people show up. I don't know what that's going to look like, uh, but I, I, just, I just know that we can't make those decisions, meaning that the 10 of us can't make those decisions. It, ha- it has to move on and past through us. So we're hoping to, um, one of the things that I'm kind of hoping for is that we're able to give some kind of home to a few people who can act as sort of facilitators to support that work and um, and that they might be supported through an organization and are salaried in some way so that the money that's given is money that's going to the artists who are who are writing Um, that's still all yet to be imagined but that's you know I mean some of it is it is happening we have the money We have people who are interested, and and it's just a yeah. It's just this open conversation about like how do we form this next step, and how do we as the people who started it um, remain only to support and not to lead. And I think that's for for me that's really really important. Is that it's it's we've said what we needed to say, and now others need to go and say what they need to say. Um, And so to have that multiplicity, I think is is. Is, is an important thing. So I mean that, that that's what we're thinking about in terms of next for this for this document.
1: Well the, the document definitely points towards a new set of guidelines that hopefully can be put in place for, for everybody to look towards. And I wonder I wonder if and I I don't know if this is in any way the intention, but if there were to be a body that would enforce The principles of the document Mm -hmm.
3: well one thing that 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 i i am very excited about is the possible formation of an of an ethics council right um Mm -hmm. and it's 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 that right now an idea with that kind of name (laughs) but but build building that in coalitions with
4: you know as, as as a guiding as a guide right and so there's been some discussion that maybe a smaller group from the original 10 will go and start potentially seeding that, that, that ethics council. Um, once phase two is well off on its way and, they, and they're, they have what they need, that we can then continue perhaps in that, in that work. Which is also, and, and this is what's really important to me is that these are decentralized rotating positions. This is not, yep. you know, something that you're sitting there and like for three years I'm on the ethics council, you
1: know, right. Right.
4: but that like, you know, these are these are things that are vested with a certain, you know, language and ethics that can change as things change, um, and that different people hold that, um, so that they don't become institutionalized in a way that. Be- becomes un, uh, un, unhealthy, but also like not useful. Because how many organizations do we know that started off being really responsive and then become kind of ossified and become like less less responsive? So, want to stay, there.
0: Right. Well, the idea of spirit of rotation. I mean, that's the. I mean, hope that's supposedly what democracy was also founded on. But um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes in November. Um, how, just, you know, how I got the, uh, Kyle Maud sent me the document, but how our plays and other, if you want to find it, that it seems that going through the Howl Round seems to be a one way of doing it. HowlRound.com, uh, if, uh, if you search, uh, creating new futures, um, uh, for HowlRound, it comes up and they also have the link for, uh, there's, a uh, two links here for the creating new futures working group. That'll take you to the Google drive doc. It also provides you with the real talk, uh, which was great to, we, uh, the, I could talk about that as well, but I really want to focus on the talk that you all did on zoom, um, on Thursday, the 14th of May. Um, and then in the Google drive, it seems that if you sign up, uh, for I believe it's keep in touch is mm-hmm. how I did it stay in touch uh, we'll take you to a place where you can be a LinkedIn um and then you just provide your information there and we'll, we'll get uh, I signed up and then I I've already been I got I already got a notice <laughs> for you you uh and uh who's on top of it <laughs> it's it's amazing and 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 I and I really I'm always inspired when I see artists um as Reed said, for a lot of us who don't have anything doing something. And it's so much of what we're looking at right now. When I, when I look at what I, me and my friends who've been donating, signing petitions, uh, really, really doing as much as possible. At, I mean, it is of course in the, uh, my own echo chamber, perhaps at Instagram and my community, my friend group, but it's, it is all from people who, uh, actually, um, a lot of whom are, are poor. And, um, so this thing of, I think that is where I am interested in what would an allyship be like, uh, through larger institutions or places that are part of the dance world. The ballet world is part of the dance world and how can it, how can the division not feel so
3: divided?
2: I think they absolutely I think that the,
3: need to be... Sorry, equal. Emily, go ahead. Oh, just, just agreeing, just agreeing that... that yeah. It, yeah, that everyone... The, the larger culture, cultural institutions that kind of have that like overarching hold and not... I'm talking about museums. I'm talking about university presenters. I'm talking about larger institutions that have a grip on stasis, right? have a grip yep. on on on. doing things the the way that they have been trained to do them. Uh, and we want to change that. It needs to be changed.
1: It's. I, I mean, I thank you guys so much. The document is really inspiring in its malleability and in the way that it's so inclusive. And to hear from, you know, testimonials from designers in this document about dance was really wonderful for me. And I think this document will not only be useful inside the dance world, but it can be used as a teaching tool for how to go forward in, in writing other kinds of documents like this that can help to promote participation from people in various fields. And the way that it feels so uh, open and inclusive is really wonderful.
0: Indeed, the creation of the document itself is artistic. I mean the, the way it goes the way the oh, way yeah. it goes through. I mean when it gets to the testimonials and and how that <laughs> happens there, the way Karen Sherman puts in scene change. I mean it's really <laughs> even just inside of how it's created is allows for I think accessing for the imagination to come into play, which is what mm-hmm. we as artists are good at. We're good at opening up people's imaginations to imagine a better future, and then it feels
1: in in no way authoritarian. It really feels Mm-mm. it feels like it comes from us.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's so tremendous, and I'm really thank you both so much for taking time to speak with us. Um, can you? I just said the how around. Is there a better way to get to it, Yaneda?
4: There isn't, I mean the link is basically a Google link. We right. desperately need a website in order to host it, um, which is one of the things that we want to do. Um, but haven't haven't done yet, which is to well, have do a- Do you want me to site. talk
0: with Jeremy, who has built our website about getting involved in this?
4: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, great. Well, I will I, I'll link you and Jeremy up because he is who has put out of- we know a guy we know a, guy. <laughs> know a person he happens to be my lover and the producer of this <laughs> podcast which wouldn't happen <laughs> without him for sure and,
4: and i'm sure he's looking at you right now going like
0: he what are you well the amount of work i just said to him recently i was like oh, and i brought you into the landscape of making no money In dance. (laughs) Aren't you happy to be here? Um, It's a real... But he... Yeah, it's like... Look around.
4: Look look at the opulence, baby.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's really um, great. Dancers
4: need to have a necklace that basically says... If you fall in love with me.
0: <laughs> right. It's true. Guess what's it's, it's going really, to happen yeah. to you. <laughs> it's really, well, I warned I him know. in the beginning and also he got to watch what happened on these early shows. <laughs> he got to watch me like yeah. do a show where I, I was like, I'm getting half the box office. And he was like, well, how does that work? I was like, it means Reed will get $2,500, <laughs> you know, and I'll get $2,500 and we'll have, Done a huge show. as he, he was like, wow. <laughs> <What>? so, <laughs> that's how this podcast works. I mean, we work solely by hoping that anyone puts any money in at all. And it's a real,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's um, it's, a, it's an interesting endeavor. But um, I really want to be involved. I think as Jeremy compiles our audio clips, he will want to be involved. And this will be a way that, you know, we can come together. And I really, I do really want to be involved. And I, I love... I love research and writing, so... Um, I And I also just love you both so much. I've known you for a while. Mm. Emily, you're relatively new Mm. in my life, but I remember being so moved at the times that I've seen you. And also, like, I remember being at a gala and you spoke, and I was like, you guys, that's how you do it. (laughs) That's really... (laughs) That's... I I was crying, and I was like... That's how you do it. That's, you know, that's human beings. It was so, yeah, tremendous. And I'm really excited about this. I mean, it it Thank was you. it was in yeah. in the thing of what can we do and how can we make sure our field, our house is clean. It I feel that yeah. it's imperative. You know, it's there's many there's many political things that I have deep focuses on, but I also want to look at my job where I work mm-hmm. and cleaning house.
3: Yeah. yeah. Can I hold up our three other you, things? As much as you want. Because, because it's all related, just briefly, one is uh, tomorrow. Well, this will come, come out on Friday. Tomorrow, but I'm this sure is going to come out this Friday. Okay. So go back and find the, um, I don't know if it will be a, what link it is on, but Edver, Edgar Villanova and Miguel Gutierrez are doing a conversation. Wednesday. Um, Edgar on Wednesday, yeah. So go back to Decolonizing Wealth uh, to find the link there. And it's it's a conversation about funding. Uh, Edgar comes from, uh, he's First Nations and comes from philanthropic world. And he's he has an incredible um, thought process and book and actions about decolonizing wealth. Kind of some of these things that we're exact. He has strategies for decolonizing some of those funders. And so I think some of these conversations are really timely ripe connected and where of. is that
0: happening it's gonna
3: that's happening at decolonizingwealth.com. like it's a zoom call tomorrow so right it's, it's happening somewhere. through the
4: bridge project somewhere. in California hope more dance but I'll send you I'll send you the link it's and it's Miguel and Edgar talking about the title is are you for sale and then there's the two other documents uh, art arts workers for black lives I think
3: people should be aware of and check out and then the one uh, very recently, I don't know the title. If it's Dear Theater, or something or like that. We're
0: watching you. Um, I believe. Yes, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, yes, well, we're watching
3: yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, I think these are just things people should should look at, find allyship and solidarity with.
0: Great. I but I will also make sure on our dance and st- I've been these have been in my personal on our dance and stuff one. I will later on another. I will be posting them there as well. Okay, great. I thank you thank so you. much, and I just thank you both. again your <laughs> generosity uh, and for spending this much time with us and for working on this document. I'm looking forward to being involved. I'm sure we're going to have listeners who are looking forward to being involved, and um, uh, I really uh, can't thank you enough. Yes,
3: thank you guys. Okay, thank you, Reed. Thank, thank, you. you. Bye, you Bye. thank you. Bye,
1: you guys. Bye. Bye.